it worked. Yay! Yay! Okay, so just as a quick forewarning, the cats have been particularly mouthy tonight. <laughs> and this mic picks up everything. So, particularly Tiger, he has had a lot to say. Fun. So, you might hear some background cat. Okay. So, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I have a list. I made a okay. list so I wouldn't forget any. So, well, I'm ready. Awesome. You can just start throwing them at me whenever whenever you're whatever strikes your fancy first awesome um so i kind of want to save the best for last uh okay. so i'm gonna start with one that i know you and i have talked about but i don't think i've actually talked with anybody else about okay. um and it's jim gordon finally kills the joker i don't think you have talked to me about this really one. okay so, i think you maybe have like hinted at it yeah. before, but like this is an idea i have but yeah then it was like you had to go get the bus or something yeah no like so this is um obviously the joker is like one of the most long-lasting villains in batman's rogues gallery right like he he's right. sticking around forever and when people talk about like would batman ever really kill the joker i'm like well of course batman wouldn't but like there are people in the bat family or adjacent to the bat family that finally might you know and like right. i think that we i've been very blessed we are very blessed in general to get a lot of really good bat content just because there's so much of it right like there's just so right. much batman content and we've gotten you know gotham central and we've gotten a bunch of really good stories about the people like gotham <laughs> academy is really great but we've never really gotten, like, a Jim Gordon story that focuses on the fact that, like, he is a Marine and a dad and a police commissioner in, like, the most chaotic, violent, terrible place in the world. Wait. So, wait. You want Jim Gordon dad story? Basically, I do. <laughs> I want Jim Gordon ba- dad story. But I want Jim, like, and as much as I loved, like, Jim Gordon as Batman, like, I thought that was a really fascinating idea. I want Jim Gordon as dad. I want Jim Gordon who's been the commissioner for 15 years, who watched his daughter get shot. And like, I really actually do want to address the, the, the big elephant in the room of like, does Jim Gordon know who Batman is? Of fucking course he knows who Batman is. Like he's not an idiot, you know, like this is plausible deniability at its best. It's not that he doesn't know. It's that he chooses not to say anything about it. And I'd love to see that story. And I'd love to see the story because frankly, I think if anybody in the Bat family was actually going to kill the Joker, like actually kill him. It would either be Damien because he's a murderous little motherfucker anyway, Jason to actually, because it's Jason Jason, (laughs) or Jim Gordon to get revenge for his daughter. And he would do it. Like he would not do it with his service revolver because he would think that that's just not okay with that way. But like he would get into a situation where he had the opportunity. It was completely justified. He would immediately call 911 make sure that they got there, make sure that IA did the full investigation. He would do it right. He would get everything right. And then Jason Todd would crawl through his window at three o'clock in the morning with scotch and cigars. (laughs) And I'm like, I just, I love that idea. And I want it to be like really noir, like have like Franco Francovia do the art for it. So it's like really just sketchy and dark. And like, I hate this comparison, but kind of like Sin City-esque. Of like, okay. do the black and white gritty noir thing, you know, or like, or like the the like grace, uh, the black mirror with yes. the jock. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. So like, do something not house style, just really arty and noir, and like, I want like Cary Grant, Casablanca, that kind of vibe, right? Like, I want yeah. that like dark gritty thing. I want people to chew the scenery on the page, and I would 
love to see Jim Gordon dad, but it has to be written by someone who is a parent. Like that is not the kind of thing that you can kind of guess at, you know, like what lengths would you go to, to get revenge for your child? Like, yeah. So yeah. And I'm like, I would also kind of like to see Jason Latour (laughs) draw it because he's got that like super sketchy, neat art, but I'm not, I'm not wedded to like a creative team as much as I am the idea of Jim Gordon finally getting his day. Right. And just the, and it just having to be a dad. Yeah. Who could write the story effectively as a dad or a mom, but like a parent, a yeah, like yeah, somebody, somebody, somebody who has exactly, children. exactly. So yeah. that's my that's my number one. But like I said, like we've gotten so much good Batman content that like it was actually really hard for me to think of more DC stuff that I might be really interested in because yeah. so many of those stories have been told or stories like them have been told. So like my whistle has been wet elsewhere, you know, um, like. You don't even read solicits, but like October's gonna kill oh, me. Oh my! I know, like, I know. It's everything that I want out of life. <laughs> just like in every DC, every DC book that I read, solicit for October was just like, "Hey Kelsey, we hear you're liking the DC a lot lately. Yeah, we hear Marvel's been letting you down. <laughs> Enjoy this tailor made content just right. for you." Um. Okay. So the next one is one that like I know some of my friends are going to know like the name of it the second I say it, but it's not a comic thing. It's actually, I would like to see, Oh, don't die. I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. I would like to see a comic book adaptation of a book, like a novel that I really love. Okay. Um, and it's called the abhorson series by Garth Nix. Um, okay. And it's the basic idea of the first one is it's kind of like a chosen one story, like quasi Harry Potter style, but it's a young woman Um, who inherits her father's necromancy powers and has to go save the world. Um, And it's really interesting and it's super emotional and the world building is just really lovely. And part of the reason I like it is that necromancy has like a real cost. Um, And she like abortion is the name of like the the title of that she and her father's family have that they are there to put the undead back in the ground because there's dark magic everywhere and it's threatening to hurt people so So is it full like witchcraft necromancy or is it like like pushing daisies necromancy where you're just like i touched the guy yeah it's witchcraft because like the way her powers are accessed is that she has um, a bandolier of bells and and each of the bells is a different tone and each of the bells does something different and she can ring more than one at once to make things happen and to weave spells and I've always really liked the idea of like music and spells being together like that, because I think they are really compatible like that. But like, it's, it's just such a good story about like duty and family and what you mean to yourself. Because like when the book starts, she's actually the part of the story is that like the, the world as we know it is actually divided in half by a wall and north of that wall magic works, but technology doesn't. And south of that wall is the opposite. So she, and, and I've always kind of imagined it a little bit like Hadrian's Wall in Scotland. So like in Scotland, magic works and cars don't. And then in England, it's the opposite. And when the book- Yeah, that would track the Right, I know, Scotland. it totally does. It totally does. It's on brand. <laughs> but in the book itself, like when the book starts, she is going to um, a boarding school south of the wall. And so when the book starts, her father has like sent her away. And like she is- off in the world with no magic and no way of really knowing her own like inheritance 
And but magic is starting to encroach across the wall and threaten the girls that she lives with. And so it's it turns into this question of like not just personal identity, but also like familial identity. And it's really cool. And there's these cool, awesome demons in it that set shit on fire. And like, it's just a really, really neat story. And I would love to see it adapted into a comic because I think a lot of the visuals are really powerful. Um, One of the things she has to do, part of the reason that there's bells is that each bell calls to a different gate of death. So instead of there being like nine levels of hell, there's nine gates of death. And each one is a different waterfall. And it's just a really cool visual of like drawing all these really neat waterfalls that try to kill you different ways. And I'm like, part of the reason that I get frustrated with some like comic book adaptations is when they pick stories that aren't really like necessarily visual (coughs) ones. And I think this would be a cool one. And I'd love somebody like Jody Hauser to write it with like Meredith McLaren on art. Cause I feel like Jody Hauser, like with mother panic and faith and stuff, like she talks about relationships and women and young women, especially so much. So I think she'd do a great job with that. So like her, and what is that called? it's called the abortion series um, by Garth Nix. Um, the first book I think is called Sabriel. Um, but then there's more after that. Okay. I'm taking notes. Yeah, but it's like Jody Hauser or Becky Cloonan, somebody that really digs deep into like mystery and horror and characterization like that. Um, Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. And then Meredith McLaren, I've just always loved her art. And I think that she would do a really cool stylistic thing with the environments. So nice. Meredith McLaren's the one that drew the, the Nightwing commission for me of him eating cereal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, okay, so I've got two more. <laughs> okay. I I'm mean, greedy. you can give me as much as you want. I don't care. There's no time limit. It's not like I'm sitting here being like, everybody gets one. I'm not Spider-Man. Like, um, okay, so the next one, shocking absolutely no one, is a roadie miniseries. <laughs> what? I know, which I think yeah. I'm, I'm almost positive we have talked about, but... Um, for folks that haven't read um, Superman, American Alien, the writer is terrible, but the book is really good. Um, so just don't read anything else he's ever written. Um, but it was, I think it was a seven issue miniseries and each issue tackled a time in his life that like readers are already generally a little bit familiar with, but like have never gotten a deep dive into. And each um, issue had a different artist. So like it was a completely different tone. So there was one issue that Jai Lee drew that he was um, it was the issue where he arrived in Metropolis and tried to get a job as a reporter and met Lois Lane for the first time. And it was very like the, the artists were really well matched to the tone that the, the individual issue was trying to tackle. And I would love to see that kind of miniseries for Rhodey because um, we've, we've gotten a couple of war machine minis, but they've always been post meeting Tony. They've always been post becoming war machine They've never really... Sometimes he's a cyborg. Okay, yeah, exactly. And, like, they've never really explored, like, his relationship with his parents, which, like, that gets mentioned for, like, a hot minute in Alish Cott's Iron Patriot series, but, like, it's really only to be, like, oh, right, he has a dad. It's not meant to be, right, like, Right, we a... don't talk about Roberta Exactly. And, like, yeah. you don't really dig into, like, why is his niece an orphan? Like, there's no, there's no history there. How come we've never heard about this other sibling exactly, he has? Exactly. So I love the idea of like, give me an issue of his childhood. Give me an issue of him at MIT or two issues at MIT. Cause that is when he meets Tony. So that could be two separate issues. Right. 
But well, so then would it be based more out of like the MCU version? Because in comics, they don't need an MIT. Yes, it would be more based on the MCU okay. version, which the like 616 is like really slowly switching over to the MCU right. version. And they're basically just becoming one thing yeah. now because. Well, also, I mean, they, they, they changed it so that it's no longer that they met in Vietnam, they met in Afghanistan. So, like, right. Yeah. So, I, and I think that frankly, like, Sam Wilson got his post-Winter Soldier starring role, right? Like, I want right, the same for thing sure. for Rhodey, basically, of, like, so, yeah, give me one issue of his childhood. Give me an issue or two of him and Tony meeting at MIT and getting into stupid shenanigans. Give me an issue of him becoming a pilot, like, actually joining the Air Force. So, like, we have some ROTC stuff at MIC, but, like, give me post-MIT service Rhodey, right? Like, then give me Afghanistan, then give me, you know, becoming the Stark Industries liaison or whatever it is. And like, it's basically kind of what they're doing with the life of Captain Marvel right now that they're like going back and like fixing a bunch of shit that they fucked up with the Captain Marvel story by kind of retconning and reestablishing these relationships. And making her a murderer. Okay, well, regardless, <laughs> I know. But, but I mean, they're reestablishing her, to- her friendship with Tony, yeah. which had been basically right. cr- completely erased post 2011. And like, right. because we don't talk well, about her, her relationships with everybody. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's her coming, like her run coming back, just being like, I don't know who any of you are. And it's like, really? Because you're basically, you're like siblings. With right. Steve. Exactly. Like, so that's, I, I want that, but for Rhodey, I want the life of James Robert Rhodes. Like I want Rupert. Oh my gosh. James Rupert Rhodes. I just, I don't, I don't want. Tony can be in parts of it, obviously, but I don't want it right, to be about Tony. but he's a cameo. He's yeah. not the... Kind of like, well, like in Iron Patriot, where he shows up at the end for the funeral. Exactly, exactly. It's, but he's not really there for the rest of it. Yeah, and if I, like, I would love somebody like David F. Walker to write it. I don't know that David F. Walker would ever work with Marvel again. I just don't know, frankly. Um, right. And I also, because, like, one of the things that David F. Walker is really, really good at is weaving in larger social context for what's happening to an individual person. Mm-hmm. So like in one of his runs on Shaft, he talks about the fact that Midtown Manhattan was slowly encroaching into Harlem and there was all of these corrupt gangsters that were really screwing over the black people that lived in Harlem for real estate deals in the seventies. Um, and it was like, that was not the central part of the story, but like it was this awesome little history lesson that was tied into shocker Trump and tied into like the building of the twin towers, because that's what was happening right then. Um, And I love the idea of like, let's take a black man in like a black child in the seventies and eighties and a black young man at MIT in the nineties and a black man in the air force in the early two thousands. And like talk about the things that that black man is dealing with from a black man's perspective in America. Right. And I mean, like he would have he would have signed up for ROTC and enlisted pre 9-11. But the vast majority of his actual flight experience would have been post 9-11. And I think that that would be a really interesting context to provide. And like, did Rhodey have any thoughts about the fact that his best friend for like a long time was the heir to a weapons of mass destruction fortune? Like, does he? We don't know. Right. And I, I just. I feel like somebody like David F. Walker would actually ask that question. And I would love to kind of mimic Superman, American alien, where you have a different artist for every issue or a different artist for every like time in his life. So that the tone is specific, 
you know like I could even see like give me Scotty Young doing him as a kid because Scotty right. Young has such a good handle on like humor and and doing fun cute stuff but do like do other people later on like give me you know Riley Rosmo in um Afghanistan or something like right just mix it up because I think that'd be cool so I've talked about Rhodey for five minutes now, which is... I mean, you can talk stop. about Rhodey. I know that you can talk about Rhodey much longer than five minutes, and I'm always happy to listen to you. And I will say that I prefer them meeting in MIT, yeah. because just as somebody also that, like, just because of my love for Tony, I just... He doesn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't have anybody that's, like, been with him his whole life. And especially exactly. at that time period with if you're kind of weaving MCU and 616 into kind of like one thing now, like the things that happened to him in college that have are referenced in like his adult life, like things that like he could really use a buddy. He could. Like, you know, basically being a victim of statutory rape and like I know. being used. And I'm so glad she's back, but we're not getting no, into that. Um, anyway, so yes, no, but I, I like that if Rhodey, I like the, I, that like Rhodey kind of like having always been there. Yeah. And especially with how many times he like when in just their continuity in comics of just like him going, okay, I've put up with your shit enough for a little while. I need a minute and then he'll leave and then he'll come back. But he never straight up just leaves him, yeah. you know? And it's like, that means so much more when it's been like this lifelong friendship yeah. of just like, I have put up with so much crap from you. <laughs> well, I think, and so there was that question after the Avengers, right? Of like, while, <laughs> while Tony was flying the nuke into a wormhole over New York City, what was Rhodey doing? And then they explained it in like a comic follow-up. And I was like, that's such yeah. a cool, powerful way to like tell the, sh- the quieter half of a loud story. That like, right. why don't we do that with like, what was Rhodey's experience while Tony was missing in Afghanistan? What was yeah. Rhodey's experience like going through physical therapy while Tony was dealing with all of this other shit? Like, there's quieter yeah. halves to that big, big story. And I can easily see that quieter half being the place that other people retreat to. Cause like how many people in Tony's life have like a safe place that they can go when shit hits the fan. And if that safe place is like a small town in, you know, South Philadelphia where Roberta still cooks every day. Great. Or if it's like Rhodey's Brownstone or whatever, wherever he's living at that point, like, and I, I also like, and this is just a me thing, but kind of like Gotham Central style, right? I love the camaraderie that comes with being an ordinary person stuck in a batshit situation. And as much as I love Tony, he's not an ordinary person. He's an no, extraordinary not. person. And like, yeah. I love the idea of like Happy and Pepper and Rhodey having like a, a Tony friend club of like them yeah. getting to have relationships with each other outside of their relationship with Tony. Um, yeah. And it's not, I don't want to call it like a support club or like a Tony's anonymous. No, or anything, but, but they're like, it's, but there is definitely like, there is something different about being friends with somebody yeah. like Tony Stark than there is to being friends with just somebody, Yeah, you know, just like a person, yeah. like that relationship is going to be different. Even if you take Iron Man out of the mm-hmm. equation, his life is vastly different from other people's because yes. he's public and he is him him yeah well and I would I would love to know like 
how did Tony and Pepper meet for the first time? How did Tony and Happy meet for the first time? Because, like, for so much of Tony's relationship with all of these characters, it's been the, like, oh, well, they've been there. Like, it, it gets kind of shrugged off a lot. And I'm like, no, but there's so much, there's so much unplumbed potential there, basically. And it's all character driven but it's all like character driven in context that people it's basically fan fiction you know like it's it's a context that people already know and can identify with but it's a character driven story and I'm like fan fiction is such a big money maker if you know how to play it right (laughs) so well and it's that kind of it those are the kind of stories that it's like they are there but are if you're somebody who's coming into this for the first time or if it's it's kind of one of those things that it's like we don't talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So unless you've gone and took taken the time to go back and read everything that came, you know, for 75 years right. prior to you reading, you're not going to know those stories. Yeah. You know, they're lost to the lore, especially now where Happy doesn't even exist anymore yeah. in comics. He's gone. Yeah. And he's been gone in a significant amount of time that unless if you're picking up a comic, having not seen a movie, having, you know, maybe read briefly you might not even know who that is yeah you know and that's yeah so that's I feel like again and I I hate to rely on Gotham Central overly but I do feel like it's the prime example of providing context to the bonkers batshit stuff right well it's also kind of like Frontline yeah was to to Marvel where it's like it's doing that kind of like here's normal people dealing with these big events that the superheroes are dealing yeah. with and these are i mean and it was just instead of cops they were reporters yeah yeah exactly yeah. so um that's that would be my like happy in my heart place story yeah um and then my last one is my happy in my pants place story <laughs> um and it is the the infamous um fan fiction that i have written but will never show anyone because i can't find it anymore um of <laughs> mastermind the original mastermind jason wingard seducing and then very thoroughly fucking nightcrawler as they go through europe um (laughs) it is so self-indulgent and it is and like every time i say i know nobody wants this but me i am pleasantly surprised when all of my friends are like no but i want that too and i'm like oh okay cool it's not just me um (laughs) but basically it's like all of my recovering catholicness because um I have a whole bunch of headcanons about Mastermind that frankly don't really matter because like he he didn't really have that much of a backstory to begin with. Like he's just this dude, right? And he shows up and he's a bad guy. But he's a bad guy kind of in the same way that like um that Magneto is. He's a bad guy in that he believes he is smarter and better than everyone else and he wants the people who are mistreating mutants to be to stop mistreating mutants, right? Like he was part of the right. original Brotherhood of Mutants. Um, and for, for those who are unfamiliar, his basic power is that he can manipulate what your senses perceive. He's not actually changing reality, but it looks like he's changing reality. Um, and part of the reason I love the idea of like him showing up and kind of like almost pulling like a Ra's al Ghul trying to seduce Dick Grayson thing of like, you are this beautiful small man, Kurt Wagner, and we are both Catholic and I want to take you to Paris. And then Kurt Wagner goes, but you know, like, Hey, I'm blue and I have a tail. Like, how are you going to do that? And Jason is just like, I will make them not see. And because it, that's not changing who Nightcrawler is. It's not changing how Nightcrawler looks. It's not changing anything about Kurt. It's changing other people's perceptions 
And I think that that's such an interesting, powerful message about like bigotry and like how you manage the violence that people do to each other when there is bigotry in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that would be pretty cool. And then also, I really just want to watch him like really slowly, thoroughly fuck Kurt Wagner in a church somewhere. <laughs> um, and it would be really like, I'm going to smuggle you into the Louvre after hours and we're going to sit on chairs we shouldn't be touching. And I'm going to tell you how beautiful and perfect you are because you are and a then mutant. I'm gonna you and then I'm going to fuck you on that chair. And then I'm going to fuck you on that chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, it really is very self-indulgent. And it's kind of an excuse to be like, draw me someone who looks like um well i mean alan cummings because alan cummings was like the perfect night crawler right like um oh my god and who's the other guy's name who's the oh crap what's his name oh come on rossberg what from what he was in star wars as one of the generals that vader worked with in the original three he's a a skinny british actor and I'm drawing a complete blank. I know I have it on my Twitter somewhere. Whatever. It's a tall, skinny, Basil Rathbone, Tom Hiddleston looking dude. Um, okay. Who is just like drenched in silk and brocade and like being a fucker and, and just following around this cute, wonderful, and sort of kind of naive dude. Because Kurt is like a really powerful mutant. And like when it comes to fighting, he's got it covered, right? But when it comes to like, fucky bad boys draped in silk and talking about god like i feel like the catholic in him would be very easily seduced by that and it's almost like a a, an echo of the story of like um satan trying to seduce jesus like you can frame it as like a mirror of that and i just think it would be so stupid like it's not it's not a big event comic the demographic for it is very small (laughs) but i just i love the idea of doing something just my i know just something weird and experimental and arty and fucky and like catholic with them just a weird passion project yeah side when and like the joke started off as like if marvel ever hired me this is the book i'd do and i know that they'll never hire me but like if i if i needed to tap somebody else to do it it would definitely be like Alex DeCampi or like Teeny Howard it would be like people who I trust are all about like the female gaze and and like the queer gaze in this situation and are super into like fucky scuzzy bad boy type people um but are also very aware of like how fashion and clothing and like art like like actual literal like hanging on the wall art portray things so that's part of why I think yeah. Alex DeCampi would be perfect is Alex is like super into like haute couture and like goes to museums all the time and like actually poses as a model for artists so like there's this intrinsic understanding of that shit there and then I'd want somebody like Vanessa Del Rey or Tula Lute or even like Mike Del Mundo doing the kind of like dreamy sequences where Jason is is making other people see things. So it would have to almost be two artists, right? Like one kind of house style or like more simple, realistic style when it's people, right? But then if, right. if mastermind is invading somebody's mind and making them see something else, I would want it to be in like super colorful, painterly, flowy, more, um, I don't want to say abstract, but almost abstract ways of seeing things. And that's, it's basically like the, the soft core porn version of Legion. Like I get that, (laughs) 
but I still want it. (laughs) I want you. So now I'm just imagining like you going into a meeting at Marvel and just sitting down at the table and saying, listen, I want a softcore porn version of Legion starring Jason Wingard and Nightcrawler. And none of the people at the table even knowing who Jason Wingard is. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. It's, well, that's, that's who I am as like an actual human being is like, I I know I want fucky Catholic arty scuzzy (coughs) gaslighty dude (laughs) who's being really like, I just, I I can't even like and and every time I think about it people like I'm like is this because I have like so many like repressed catholic feelings like is that what's at the root of this and I don't know I just don't really you know for somebody who what a repressed catholic what repressed catholic feelings you have it blows my mind that you don't like daredevil more this is the thing is like I never I just never got into daredevil so I mean I and I think it's partly because like and and I don't know that you and I have ever had this like exact conversation but I've never been all that interested in superpowers I think that's part of it I I think if you're reading the right run it's less about superpowers and more about like what a what a messed up dude with catholic guilt he is (laughs) like I mean if you're like reading, especially if you read like uh, the Wade run, the Wade Samney run, where it's just like, it's just like him trying to not be a bummed out dude all the time and like trying to be happy and like trying to like, like be okay sometimes. Like it's, it's very rarely about his superpowers that's fair. And, and more about like just him being a mess that's <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what the show is yeah. too like yeah. the mo- like the movie is garbage because that's all it is is about like <laughs> oh look he can see jennifer garner in the rain but like in the tv show they like very rarely are like talking about the superpowers i think there like once there's like a couple of one-offs where they're like he explains the superpowers as like a throwaway in a conversation with Foggy when Foggy finds out that he's Daredevil. And that's the last we speak of them. Like we just go on and like story and like, we don't have to sit around and go, but Matt can do this. And I think that's why I like it. Like the, or like why I like that. That's, That's fair. We don't have to sit around and talk about, okay, he's blind, but he can see. 500 it's times. Peter Cushing. I'm sorry. The actor's name is Peter okay. Cushing. Now I know who I'm you're sorry. talking about. Okay. I just, yeah. I was sitting here and I'm like, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And then I was like, fuck, it's Peter Cushing. That, sorry. It's, <laughs> so it's Peter Cushing trying to seduce like a, tw- a 30 year old Alan Cumming. So we'll okay. probably hire Timothy Chalamet to do it anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. okay. So yes. But like Okay, now I'm I have a better visual now that I have it. Yeah. Name. And did you ever and I can picture Yeah, did you ever actually see Jupiter Ascending? Yeah, of course I saw okay, Jupiter Ascending. So like, I love that the movie. The way that Eddie Redmayne is dressed for that whole movie and like the big yes. dramatic like flinging himself Right. Places. All of their absurd yeah, royalty costumes. That yeah. but like Victorian is how okay. Mastermind dresses in my mind of like 
drapey brocade silk dressing gowns and big heavy velvet smoking jackets and ascots and house slippers like because he is like such a a weird parody of Sherlock Holmes in the way that he dresses in the comics right and so I'm like let's just lean into that like give me Peter Cushing give me Basil Rathbone just drenched in opulent fabric talking about God to like slightly hipster Kurt Wagner. So what you're saying to me is that he's just Lestat. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because... Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> I was going to argue, but no, you're right. Um, just not a vampire. <laughs> I mean, like not a vampire, but like other, ha- other things going on because by all accounts that like, right. or by some accounts, depending on which continuity you're talking about, he is like 120 years old or something. So yeah. But he, yeah. yeah, it's that, you know, I can't let go of this specific era yeah. of, of who I yeah. am. And also, I'm just sometimes going to talk about God a lot. And we're and everyone else is like, can you stop but, and, doing and that? And the reason he's talking about God <laughs> is specifically because he wants to fuck Kurt. Like, it's a there's right. a very like, can you imagine like, because in my head, he is probably Catholic or Anglican, which is essentially the same thing. Let's be honest. It's just mm-hmm. Catholic with divorce. He is a Catholic man trying to seduce another Catholic man who looks like a fucking demon. Like there is so there's something so specific about like a Satan figure trying to seduce a Jesus figure that looks like a fucking demon so that they can have right. sex in like Sacré-Cœur or something like just going to bone town up against a column with like the the light streaming in a stained glass window it's yeah it's just fucky <laughs> you have a very specific visual i know of, it's like stained glass windows <laughs> and like well, fucking under, why would you under why else would they have sex the crucifix why else, with jesus why else would they have sex nailed in to a church it. in a comic except if we want to do like interesting visuals with stained glass right like so now i want now i just want another layer on that of like them fucking in a church with the visuals of the stained glass and like you know jesus on the cross yeah. and like banging against the wall while they do it and then just like Matt popping out of the confessional and being like, excuse me, I'm trying to talk about what a shitty person I am. See, I was thinking more like that one episode of Buffy where Spike has gotten like really, really upset at himself. So he just like dramatically drapes himself on a cross and starts burning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. So those are, those are my, uh, those are my four. Uh, well, and... I'm very glad I saved that one for last, though. I think that was a wise <laughs> choice on my part. Yeah, because we would have just gone for the rest of the time yeah. talking about specifically that yeah. one visual. Yeah, we would have. Yeah. Oh, hi, Tiger. So, so those are my uh, those are those are my uh, no budget dreams. Those are the comics that I would Fantastic. make if budget and uh, intellectual property were no object. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just sit down, if I had the talent to also draw, yeah, yeah. and I could just sit down yeah. and draw this <laughs> very specific Jason Wingard Nightcrawler visual. Yeah. It's just the fucking tail. They'd have fun with the tail. That's all. <laughs> oh. You're welcome for your first episode ending on that. <laughs> well, um, 
Cool. Anything else you'd want to plug while you're here? Um, Just end it on a note that isn't that. Sure. <laughs> the um, the Uncanny Magazine Year Five Kickstarter just started with um, friend of the pod Matt Peters is going to be really heavily yes. involved in some of the projects they're doing this year. So I would. Matt Matt Peters is a future yeah, guest on the pod. If you are, so. if 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 listeners are at all interested in like sci-fi fantasy stuff, some of the best like short stories that I've read in years have come out of Uncanny Magazine the last couple of years. So I would definitely encourage people to check those out. Absolutely, and I will uh, post a link to that as well Yay. because. Matt is a delight, and he he messaged me today and was like, "Hey, what did I do to deserve you in our Kickstarter, um, our Kickstarter video without me knowing about it?" <laughs> and I was like, "And I was like, uh, I was just there." <laughs> his, his response was, "He was like, well, you know, I'll take it, the celebrity endorsement." And, was like, and then he said, "I paid an extra twenty bucks for that," and I was like. Well, I waived my usual appearance fee of zero dollars because <laughs> <laughs> I like to support the arts. Yay! So, also, I'm he bought a bunch of Nightwing today, and I'm like super excited. About oh, good! It. And I'm, I'm in, ha- I'm enabling him to start to read all of Grayson. Good. So, hopefully, we'll be talking about that when he's on the show. Good. This. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for being here for my first episode. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for uh, the visuals that I'm now going to <laughs> swallow. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>